Podcast. My name is Tom Chick, and I am not playing Cthulhu Wars. Oh, God. Right? That's because Glorantha's out. My name is Bruce Garrick, and I am not playing Robinson Crusoe, Adventures on the Cursed Island. Mm. Mm. My name's Eric Wolpaw, and I am not playing Galaxy Defenders. What is Galaxy Defenders? It's kind of like a XCOM-type game that I should be playing. It's supposed to be really good, uh, and I have it, and I'm looking at it right now, uh, but it, I haven't played it. I haven't even uh, cracked the shrink wrap on it. You know what, Wolpaw? I actually own that. I have played it. I totally know what you're talking about. That's why it sounded familiar. Is yeah, it it's like moving dudes around on a board shooting aliens. Yeah, it's XCOM. It's yeah. XCOM. Yeah, yeah. But All right. Well, not actually, XCOM the board game, but probably more like XCOM. Than exactly XCOM. right. None of this real-time nonsense where you need an app running. Mm, an app. Yeah. yeah. Again, as far as I know, because I haven't opened it, so I, I don't know. Well, Wopa, I have questions for you, but first, I want to tell you guys about a game that I am playing a little bit. It's super old. It's Rainer Knizia. Crazy uh-huh. German doctor, and it's called High Society. Have you guys? Oh God! Why mm-hmm. are you going? Oh God, Garrick! Oh, because it's so elitist. <laughs> At least you didn't think it was about like getting stoned or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a it's a bidding game, and I don't like bidding games because I suck at them. Because the whole point of a bidding game is you've got to do calculations to understand the value of something, rather than get carried away by the fact that oh, Garrick's bidding more than me. I can't let him get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is how I play bidding games. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing about High Society that I like it's super easy. You're done in ten minutes. Uh, there's a new edition out with awesome artwork by someone named, and I'm not making this up, the artist's name for the latest edition of High Society, Medusa Dollmaker. That's right. That's her name. If that is his real name. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, So what I love, though, about High Society, here's the thing. You play this bidding game. You've got a fixed amount of money you can pay. The cards you're bidding on, it's stupid. It's just numbers 1 to 10. They give you points. Mm -hmm. Uh, whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. There's a couple of cards that do tricky things like double your score or have your score or make you discard a card. Uh, and those, you get those cards if you don't bid on them. The first person to pass gets the crappy card. Everybody else has to pay the money they bid. So there's that weird backwards bidding. But here's my favorite thing about high society. At the okay. end of the game, you don't win if you have the most points. Mm-hmm. First, you look around the table and you see who has the least money left. Mm-hmm. That person is excluded from winning. Then you look at who has the most points. So if you're a spendthrift, if you blow all your money to get points, which is what you're supposed to do in a bidding game, guess what? You can't win. So, so there's put sort of a floor on the amount. Of, you just have to – everybody's trying to not be the guy with the fewest points. Exactly. So or you're looking around money, the table and you know someone's going to blow that floor and you just hope it's not you. Yeah. And so you could see can you see how much money yeah, you can see how much money No, excellent question, Wolpa. You cannot. It's blind. So everybody's got cards of specific denominations too, and you can't break those down. My twenty five thousand franc card, I can't bid something with I can't bid with that and get change back. So when I blow that in that way. Wolpa's what? Like raw in that way. Where you have fixed things that you use. Yes. Exactly. And raw is yeah. Yeah. I think he did Raw after High Society. Like, Raw is the more drawn-out version of High Society. High Society is the uh, palate cleanser version of Raw. So, what, so, what kind of miniatures does it come with? Oh, you have to build them, Wolpaw. you got to paint them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you lose if you play with unpainted miniatures, right? I'm so happy to whip out a game that just has ten cards in the middle of the table, and then everybody gets their hand of eight cards. Like, it's so refreshing to just, okay, now we're ready, go. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Why don't you play high, uh, high say? Why don't you play Modern Art, which is a much better Kinesia um, bidding game? Oh, is that true? Yeah. Do you know both of them, or you're just saying that because you want to I, throw I, I shade on High Society? I a long time ago. I, I don't remember much about it, but I remember being turned off by the one numbers and stuff. But um, uh, I love Modern Art. Well, Pod, do you know Modern Art? Can you back up Eric on this? These Rainier Kinesia games are not for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I just looked up Rainier Kinesia, and the first thing that came up is Gin Rummy. Did he invent Gin Rummy? Whoa, who knew? <laughs> yeah, I like that game. That's pretty good. All right, I changed my mind. I, I like these Rainier Kinesia <laughs> We made a fanboy of them, Garrick. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, Pot, here's the deal. You you emailed me and said something about a game that is uh, it's old – that's uh, got a lot of tiny pieces, and it looks like you have to do math. 
it looks wacky. It, here's the thing about it, Wolpaw. I'd never even heard of it. it uh, okay, so Duel of Ages 2, it is old. 2013 was the last time it was available, uh, maybe the first time it was available. Uh, it's game by Brett. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Mural or Morel. But yeah, it's it's a kind of a tactical skirmish game. Uh, it's a little bit like a MOBA. You're controlling individual units uh, in a battle, much like it says, a battle across all ages. So <laughs> the game is a simulation of uh, history but all of history, including the future. I'm sold. So it's 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 pretty broad. It's kind of like a mixture of like Heroes of Normandy with Mad Libs, because there's just a million <laughs> different guys fighting each other, and it, it that's the 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 greatest thing about it. It is it's it's all chits. There's no miniatures. Uh, it's you know like hex boards. Like you guys have more modern references, but I don't play. A lot of these uh, war game type games, but you know hexes with lots of different terrain on them, like old Avalon Hill game or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's 192 different characters that come in in the box. Oh, so you're not there's, just playing like armies or units? Like there's actual no, heroes? No, you're playing. It's individual. Like it's skirmish. You're playing. You are literally playing like William Wallace or uh, General James Gavin is a character we got one time. Uh, Giuseppe Garibaldi, uh, a historical from the future, a guy named Zane Starblazer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, haven't heard of him yet, but we will. No, you will <laughs> at some point. Um, and it, uh, and we, I, so just preface this by saying 90% of my gaming is done with my just turned nine year old son. <laughs> and this is, uh, I, we've just been, ha it, it's, it's really fun. It's, it's, the rules are fairly simple, but the combinations, combinatorially, it's just an explosion. I mean, I, I doubt it's balanced because I think it would be impossible, but it's been competitive for us back and forth. I, so there's 192 characters, then there's items, and there's a stack of literally 500 item cards. And I don't think there's any repeats. Uh, on top of that, there's like 50 henchman cards. There's... <laughs> couple hundred adventure cards because you don't just fight you go on adventures uh and then there's you build the board out of these kind of puzzle piece uh kind of like foot diameter i don't know what the they're, they're sort of circular but they've got cut out puzzle parts around the end and there's 28 of those that you use some handful of to uh to build the board uh out of so no, i are these yeah, cool. when you play this when you sit down to play it are you playing like a scenario or is there a starting condition for every game and then it can go in any direction there is no uh so about well a it doesn't it doesn't actually come with a manual you have to download the manual i, I don't know what, why that decision was made <laughs> but so you download the manual i printed it out but about half the manual is different starting conditions they're not like story scenarios they're just like Here's a way you could build uh, a uh, a scenario for say twelve v twelve or uh, you know twenty v twenty, and there's different ways that you can introduce the units. They have a few different schemes for that. Uh, the the win condition is there's a series of um, achievements you can get, whether it's by adventuring, which basically involves flipping over, going to certain spaces on the board, flipping over these adventure cards and doing a test against one of your, all the characters have, I think, eight or nine main stats plus Whoa. a series of unique things that only they can do. Uh, and there's really, a, and so we haven't looked through the cards. We just kind of do it blind. Like we'll flip over. We've been playing 6v6, um, which is kind of the minimum recommended one on two platters we each choose one uh uh what was i gonna say oh and so we just we we play with whatever comes up you get we have a house rule where you get the mulligan one and there's a character named brad from the modern area who we've we've outlawed we just took him right out of the deck why is brad overpowered 
No, he's terrible. We can't oh. figure out how to use him. I looked it up, and there's people who have some strategies for Brad, but uh, it, we're not ambitious enough to attempt them. And uh, uh, that's another thing. Brad Morell. So Brad Morell is really invested in this, even though he hasn't done anything with it since 2013. There's a book you can buy that he wrote that's on Amazon that A, has a printed copy of the rules in it, but also has like a 3,000-word essay on all 192 characters. <laughs> and kind of what he was thinking about, what the strategy is for them. Uh, so, I mean, I, he's uh, and he also writes novels about the world that this takes place in. Wow. Uh, yeah. So well, I, did he? Did, is this self-published, or does it? Do you know? Does it have a publisher? No, it's uh, it may very well be. Yeah, I think okay. it's a company called World Spanner that he he owns or. He runs. I mean, it's still up. He still posts on Board Game Geek. I'm not. I think he's mainly writing novels about this world now. Wow. Um, so you're basically playing in some guy's time traveling D and D campaign. Yeah, basically. Except there, that that's my favorite thing about it is there is no, there's no. Well, there is a story. I mean, uh, actually, I just because there's novels worth of stories, but there is no actual story in my mind. It's just a classic sort of. A story evolves where, like, you know, I'm Giuseppe Garibaldi, and at some point I'm riding a bear into battle against Fable, <laughs> uh, Zane Starblazer. And it's uh, it, no game that I've played with Jack has created so many, like, just bizarre, random uh, combinations of, of things that end up being a really good story to tell each other at the, at the end of the game. And it's, you know, it's a it's a fun game. There's a lot of hidden stuff. You know, there's a lot of items, you know, the big stack of items, and those are hidden from the other players, and you reveal them when you're ready to use them. So there's a lot of question of, well, you know, should I – I don't really know what this guy's carrying yet, so I, I'm, I've got to be a little bit careful with him. Uh, is the whole is the whole universe of 500 items available in every game? Do I have to worry about everything that's going to be? Or do you know? Do you like draw someone to advance? Right. Or... Yeah. Do you build up decks? Like, do you pre-jigger no, who's no, available and what they've got? Uh, they, it, they're available. There's a stack of well, there's three stacks. The, uh, there's common items. There's secret items. Mm. There aren't always items, and are sometimes extra achievements. Oh, the way you win is yeah by doing certain achievements, and at the end you score the achievements to see who who wins and the achievement you each have a base and you can go in and break up the other guy's base and you get points for doing that you get points for completing adventures there's an actual instant win condition if you ever have more guys on the board than your or twice as many guys on the board as your opponent uh you immediately win a lot of our games end up ending that way because uh jack will just go on full offense and then i i retaliate but uh uh, anyway, so and then there's also elite items and characters will come with a certain number of items uh, and then you'll get items for completing adventures and occasionally for other things. Uh, and there's a lot the items can't you can't always use them. They've got a strength and intelligence minimum so you ah. have an item that you can't use and you need to figure out a way to get that to one of your teammates. Oh, there's also a time limit on the game. It's only 12 turns. So you've got to kind of decide what you're going to go after and whether it's worth running across the board to try and coordinate with another one of your guys to hand off some stuff. Or you can just drop it, and if you think that you can get to it before one of the your opponents does. Um, What's the board like, though? I mean, is it, is it like a – you said there's a base, but is it like a tactical board, or do you, do you go to different – I mean, are, are you moving on hexes? I mean, what's what's the yeah, kind you're of moving on hexes and there's you know terrain drawn on them, uh -huh. uh, and each each platter of the 28 platters represents one of the four eras. So it's something from that era. And so when you pick your characters, so it's the other nice thing. The setup is basically draw your characters, which is exciting, and then you each get to pick the platters that you're going to use, which is you're already in the game at that point. Cause you're like, well, I kind of want platters that a platter that might complement. you know, I've got four guys from this particular age and they're going to get bonuses on this platter or the game we played a couple days ago. I got some future bug monster that there's a terrain uh, feature, which is like a Mesa and 
normally you can't climb over the sides of the mesas. You have to go up these little pre-made paths. But this bug creature could just walk right over the sides of the mesas. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take a platter with a lot of mesas because that's going to lock down mm. Jack. And mm. I'm going to wander all over it. Uh, I don't know where I was going. And, and then the bases, so they're big platters. And then there's these little triangular pieces called keys, which are the bases and the adventure things. So when you play with two platters, you're each going to take, say, two platters and each take three keys, one being a base and two being adventure things. Oh, and then you also have to fill in the rest of it with these other keys that they call domes, which are because there's a lot of respawning in the game. Whenever you do anything of any consequence adventure wise, you end up whether you succeed or fail, you end up respawning at one of these domes. You're going to you're going to move somewhere else on the board. Um, now, how did you secure a copy of this, Wolfbox? I don't think it's readily available, is it? It's not. I, I mean, just like 90% of games, it's out of print. So I, I got a copy on Board Game Geek. And there's right. so there's a regular set, which is like almost like a demo for the game, which only has 40 characters and 50 items or some small subset of the whole game. And then there's the master set, which mm -hmm. requires the regular set. There's a lot of comp. you, you got to get both of them. You got to get the master set and the regular set. Uh, I can't remember. It's probably I think it was probably like 150 bucks for the whole thing. When uh, when you emailed me, I, oh go ahead, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, when you emailed me about this, and I I have to admit I was uh, I was slightly inebriated when I read the email and got super excited and was like, oh, this is awesome! I can't wait to talk to Eric about it. So I uh, went onto eBay. And stupidly bid don't shouldn't bid while drunk. Stupidly bid on a copy of Duel of Ages with all the extra stuff in it, and there was a ton of extra stuff, and it was a multiple hundreds of dollars bid, and it was a buy now thing. And oh, no, actually, this is Board Game Geek, and uh, was it eBay? At any rate, I forget. But uh, I woke up the next day and then realized, oh, Wolfpaw's talking about Duel of Ages two. Oh. And I bid on Duel of Ages 1, plus that was probably stupid because I don't know who I would get to play this with. So I yeah. kindly contacted the guy and was like, uh, can I weasel out of this? And he very graciously refunded my, uh, my, my yeah, payment. I, my, my impression is Duel Ages 1 is like Street Fighter 1. It's kind of <laughs> very embryonic Duel of Ages 2. Uh, and yeah, I was thinking for you because it works best as a – it works not at all as a single-player game, right? And it works best as a two-player game because it's really locked. It's like War of the Ring. It's locked into two sides, um, white and black. Even though they share, you know, you can have characters on either way side. You can you could play like with multiple people on a team. I just don't think it would be that fun. And, and that's my biggest downside to it is skirmish games that I've played. You know, we've been playing Shadespire recently which is a skirmish game similar really fun as well uh it seems like skirmish games ought to uh alternate activations of your characters like they have rules in here you know scenarios where you've got 20 characters on each side but i think you'd be waiting 25 minutes oh right because everybody does all their characters and, and then the other guy does all of his characters yeah right. yeah, yeah. That's like old school avalon hill yeah yes i mean there there's an opportunity for, well, there's opportunity fire, so you kind of have to pay attention, but not all the time, because you, you may, I, it just, I, even with six characters, Jack's eyes are glazing over a little bit when I'm <laughs> fiddling around with my, with my turn. Uh, so that that's the biggest downside. And the other downside could be, I, I think it's kind of charming. It's got a pretty naive art style. Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of the stuff looks like it's, CGI images that came from like the demo files from a modeling package or something. And then there's stuff that looks like he Xeroxed it out of an encyclopedia. And then, and then there's like regular art, but the whole thing kind of, I don't know. It's, it's all sort of charming. Like I, I look at a lot of these, a lot of games I have. And I, if you showed me a card from heroes of Terranoth or Lord of the Rings, or I, I mean, they're great. They're it's fine professional art, but, there's nothing that distinguishes it. Right, I would right. think there's more, even though, like, I know Dungeon Degenerates is a uh, divisive art style, not among the three of us, but uh, that has a very clear vision uh, in, a, in a way that this doesn't, but they're both 
they both stand out just because they they look different. Mm. Uh, so what? Yeah. So one of my disappointments with the the, uh, the I think it's Stoneblade, the, the guys that did uh, Ascension, their newest game is called Shards of Infinity, uh, which Garrick, I know I know you really like uh, mechanically, you like the gameplay in that, but I was really mm-hmm. disappointed that they moved away from the super stylistic artwork that Ascension originally had mm-hmm. to more of what Eric's talking about, this kind of generic, vaguely yeah. science fiction fantasy. So visually, I just Shards of Infinity might might be great, but it just doesn't capture me immediately the way it did looking at an ascension card which i think more is what eric is talking about where the artist definitely has a voice or something distinct to show yeah 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 shards of infinity is his soulless corporate art That's exactly right right very good yeah. and this is duel of ages is really neither of those two it's not soulless corporate art for sure but neither did the artist or artists have a unified vision. <laughs> but there's a, it's a, I love the fact that you use the word naive to describe it because that that's kind of that can be very charming. Uh, yeah, it, I, it, I'm charmed by it in a way I'm not charmed by. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at Zombicide right now. Not charmed by it. Right. Uh, right. But, yeah. So anyway, I I don't recommend it for Tom or me. Well, it's very historical, like mm. I said, and pretty <laughs> well, accurately modeled. Uh, again, in our last game, I got a unic character that was a unicorn, and <laughs> somebody had put some thought into it because the unicorn could carry items but couldn't use them. Huh. So, which is fairly historically accurate, accurate. I think. <laughs> and uh, uh, and there, you know, so I had a unicorn, and I had uh, that was one where I had Stephen Decatur and a unicorn and some other guys on my. Wow, team. Stephen Decatur riding a unicorn that. That well, no, sounds... you can't ride the unicorn, but there are lots of things you can ride. Stephen Decatur got a bicycle in that one. <laughs> I had a bike. He was riding a bike. Uh, there are things to ride. There, you can get pet animals are items. In that one, uh, the unicorn got a baby bear item that they're called hunters, and you unleash them it's when you get close enough against an enemy, and it will just, like a Terminator, it will not stop until that person is dead. But the thing with the baby bear was it was kind of a nuisance, but if you killed the baby bear, it got replaced with a mother bear. I love that. Yes, very nice. Yeah. And it was, and the mother bear was was scary. Right, right. So, We've all seen The Revenant, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like that. Only predates The Revenant. Right. Uh, That's probably where uh, he got the, the idea in The Revenant from. Right, exactly. Duel of Ages. Anyway, uh, so I recommend it to Bruce and not to Tom. I think mm-hmm. you shouldn't spend any money on it because unless you're playing a lot of two-player games, I right. don't think it's going to work. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, what's something that we have all played, Bruce, that I know you also are playing? And b- by the way, this thing you're about to mention, Bruce, mm-hmm. I don't think it's for you. Hmm. I don't know. We'll find out. And I'm yeah, curious what Wolfa thinks. So, yeah. what what is this game, Garrick? Well, so uh, I assume you're not talking about Guderian's Blitzkrieg 2, because I really no, that is for you. Know. That even on the box says for Bruce Garrick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've all been playing it. I now find uh, Seventh Continent, mm. which is a game that uh, is a solitaire game, but it doesn't have to be solitaire. It can be cooperative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Tom, you have a, a bit of a, a beef with that. Uh, distinction. You don't think that there is such a thing, but that's fine. Uh, I got interested. I don't know why you guys got interested in it, but I got interested because somebody was trying to solve the uh, the never-ending problem of exploration in board games and sort of fog of war and uh, the, a game that I had originally just thought was the greatest thing until I actually played it and learned that it wasn't was uh, Robinson Crusoe, uh, which is a game that you sort of create this uh, random world every turn you draw these cards and and the the cards sort of move off the map you you have an opportunity to get them and you have to different skills and things like that but i don't think it worked very well and the rules were really were really crazy um, robinson crusoe i would characterize as a survival optimization puzzle yeah i think that's a that's a that's a good way to put it yeah. um so when the seventh continent thing was announced, I promptly uh, looked at it and thought, this is not for me. It's, you know, I didn't like this Robinson Crusoe thing. Um, it's, this looks like something that's really kind of story-y. Uh, and then I just, I didn't, I ignored it. And uh, the the uh, Kickstarter came and went, and I didn't order it. And then all through 
the post Kickstarter period, I kept hearing, you know, the hype was getting this and that. Everybody wanted it. Everybody was so excited about it. And then, and then, this is why I bought it. Mm-hmm. Because then, like a year after the Kickstarter or something, the company that, uh, that said, you know, this is all the copies that are going to be, said, oh, wait, we found some extra copies. They're like, uh, we're going to sell some more. And so they, uh, they put some more for sale. And I thought, okay, fine. Uh, this is going to be the greatest game ever. Uh, I'll just buy it. <laughs> you were totally won over. Yep. And uh, and I did. And uh, we played it this weekend with uh, a couple of the uh, uh, guys from um, from quarter three. Actually, uh, uh, David Two, who lives here in Portland, has played with us before. And oh, did we lose you, Garrick? And uh, who? We... We're 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 and, on tenterhooks. Uh, we yeah. played for several hours. Uh-huh. And uh, wait, hold that thought. Hold that thought with your final summary. Yeah. So real quick, you said David too, and then I couldn't hear who the second person was. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Evan. The uh, oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Who uh, right. You went to uh, Alita Battle Angel with? Right. Um, um, uh, so you, when you say so, you played it uh, cooperatively. Uh, Wolpaw, did you play this with with Jack, or did you play this solitaire? No, I, I don't play a lot of solitaire games. So yeah, I I played it with Jack. Okay, so my experience strictly solitaire. So hmm. we're gonna have like someone who's played it solitaire, someone who's played it with a medium-sized child, and someone who's yes. played it cooperatively with a group. Um, hmm. I uh, I expected that I would love this, uh-huh. and I'm not. I kind of think I don't. So that is mm-hmm. my reaction in a nutshell. Well, Paul, what, what what would be your very brief takeaway? I like Bruce knew that uh, I probably wouldn't like it. And uh, I don't have – my reasons for buying art is complicated. I just have bad impulse control, and so I bought <laughs> it. And, uh, and I, I don't like it. I don't like it. All right. I don't, don't like it. All right. So, Garrick, how, tell me about your experience then. I respect what it's trying to do, and I'm very impressed with how much time and effort and op, you know, sort of – figuring things out must have gone into designing this. I mean, they've got, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of cards that you take out and they all, you know, it's like, a, I think somebody else described it as a choose your own adventure where, you know, all the paragraphs have to match up and you have to go to this thing and, and, you know, t- flip this card and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I totally respect that and I get it. But I mean, in the end, just like, you know, just cause you worked hard doesn't mean you did a good job. So uh, I don't like the game. Um, I think it has a lot of sort of issues that undermine what it's trying to do. Um, and I, I may play it one more time with some different people to see if somebody can convince me why uh, I might lo- what I'm missing, but maybe mm-hmm. not. So you guys then did play it cooperatively. It's got a kind of a, and it's intentionally so, loosey-goosey turn structure yes. where any player, you know, one character can do an activation mm-hmm. and then the turn is over. And then the next turn, if that character wants, they can do an activation again. Multiple people can do a task together. One mm-hmm. guy can just sit and hang out while the other people take all the turns. Uh, right. There's no sense of it's my turn, now it's your turn, then it's his turn. Uh, mm-hmm. How did it work cooperatively for you guys with someone else? Uh, well, cooperatively, we sort of, there were, there were times where, you know, one character is going a certain way, uh, and finds something and then does recon and finds that, you know, oh, this way is not the way to go, or he finds that it is the way to go. So, you know, there's this whole thing where if you move into a space for the, for the listeners who haven't played the game, we should know that the whole thing is, um, it's, it, there's so many interesting things to this game that it just, it makes me sad to say that. It doesn't work because they tried. Um, you know, the, the clock is a deck of cards that you, you use for multiple uh, things. Well, you, they're a randomizer, uh, but it's also a clock. And the more cards you draw, the faster your clock runs out. And you can <clears throat> you can do this thing where if you cooperate with people to do something, you can draw fewer cards. But then you have to have more successes. It's 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 kind of interesting. You have you have these cards that have stars on them, or they may have half a star, um, which I assume they had to do because they had to make all the numbers work out. They actually give you a list in the rule book about what the percentage chance of having something happen is. Right? Like if you if you need to get two successes on two cards, the chances are like forty five percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really like. I mean, I like the idea that they, they figured out this thing, but you don't have to roll dice. Um, but 
you you get extra successes from things you have, uh, from items that you build these items, and then so it, the whole game. You mentioned Robinson Crusoe as a as a puzzle optimization exercise. I feel like this kind of is too. Um, you have to get the certain items so that you can reduce the card draw on certain tasks to get those things done with few draws that require because every person that works with you to do something increases the number of successes you need by uh, by one. And so if you need three cards to get one success, that's a pretty good chance, right? But you may not want to draw three cards because you've got a lot of stuff to do, and those three cards are gone until, well, <clears throat> you the, you um, the deck works in the way, the clock is that you draw the cards, and then once you're all the way through the deck, you they are all in the discard pile, you pull them out, and, re and go through the deck again, but now all these cards that have curses on them, if you pull that, then the game's over. So you're gonna, I mean, there are, I think, five curses in a 35-card deck, so you can only really expect that you're gonna have seven more cards to go. So Oh no, you shuffle it every time. Yeah, you're supposed to shuffle it. Shuffle it's it's basically a percentage chance each time you take an action that you're gonna get the insta-kill curse. Yeah, every like, time like, you draw wait, in the in the, in the, uh, the deck. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the, in the, um, in the discard thing? Yeah, once, so you've got, uh, it, uh, so I play with two characters, and that ends up being 50 cards, because you've got the 35 plus 10 per character plus uh, five curses. So I've got a 50-card deck, and when I run through that, when that's depleted, I still play normally. A task uh -huh. will ask me to draw a certain number of cards, and I'm looking for a certain number of stars. Uh -huh. But instead of working my way through the deck top-down, I now take the discard pile, and I shuffle it entirely each time I have a task, shuffle it up entirely, and then blindly draw cards oh, from the discard pile. by taking a random card. Exactly, and then yeah, I put those I cards back oh, into the discard I, pile and then shuffle it up that. randomly so that the next time I do a task, I'm, I'm drawing from the completely rejuvenated discard pile. Well, I don't think it mattered for us. I think the first card we drew was a was a was a uh, was a curse. So we exactly, like, and you've got yeah. There's five curses in there, and each time, so it's basically a curse, and we were done. So yeah, yeah. You could get super lucky, or it's basically saying, hey, don't don't draw blindly. Always do what you can to prevent this from happening, because then you're on possible insta death uh, tender hooks. Yeah. Right. So you're looking at these things like I was saying. There's you know three cards to get us a, a success, but you might be able to draw. Uh, you know, whatever, zero cards to get three. If you're two guys, I think, but you can decide how many car, fewer you can you can draw as few cards. Is it one card for a character? I mean, I I, I don't think that because you you scared me a minute when you said uh, each additional character makes you require an additional success. I think there's a the weird thing where when you have additional characters, you can reduce the card draw. And then each card you reduce it by yeah, requires yeah, an additional yeah, success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so you're yeah, basically right. You can collaborate yeah. to, to sort of jigger the, the right. rate of success. And a lot of times, too, this actually took me a few playthroughs to realize, most of the attempts say a number and a plus sign. You can right. draw a ton of cards if you really yes. want to succeed, sure. uh, but you're going to eat more quickly through your yeah. deck. And I think there's certain things you do where that might be worth actually burning another couple cards because it's that important. You have, um, to, you have to decide that ahead of time. How many right, exactly. You can't just turn over until you get a win. And I, I will say, Garrick, I think this little card management puzzle that they have where it's a randomizer, it's a clock, it's an insta-death thing, it's where all the resources you need are. Uh, I love that little system that they've created. That's one of the yeah. things I really like about the game. I think it. I think it's it's fine... Um, when you learn that, for example, you might get successes with drawing no cards because you get right. these items that give you you know, instant successes. So you can get something and you can reduce it down to zero cards but still have enough items among all the people that you get a success without drawing anything. Right. Which I, right. Think, is part of, I think is part of the solution to the game. And it also is how the different characters add um, character. You know, your right. character has one power, but there are also five unique cards for that character that then get shuffled into that deck, and those cards will only occur in games you play with that character. I really like that well, element. Let's ask Eric how he feels about the, the part where you have to uh, look for like the 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 uh, drawing of the fungus or the no, the secret number on the card that you know that you're like. It... That part that was. Well, that was definitely Jack's favorite part. Looking <laughs> at the cards, I thought you were going to ask, "What? How do I like fishing cards out of the box every two minutes?" Oh, well, you gotta like that if you. Yeah, that's uh, the mandatory that, part of the like, game. I, I mean, that's like an. I, it's 
a game about card manipulation and the manipulate it's not like tapping magic cards it's actually trying to like do filing uh you know like if i was a close-up magician or something i feel like i would be way better at this game i'm fumbling around trying to get the cards out and it, it's a morale killer there's points in the game where you're expected to take all the cards you've used thus far and refile them before oh, you it's like a total reboot yeah and i'm just like we're done. I'm not going to do that right now. I no, well, Paul, I need you to take 30 cards. I need you to order them and then put them in numerical order back into four yes. boxes of 600 cards. I need you yes. to do 15 minutes of filing before we can play again. And, and it, it just – six – like I was just dreading if they, a number would come up that was in the farthest away box because I'd have <laughs> to reach over and it was harder to get the cards out. I, didn't, I just didn't like getting the cards out of the box. I mean the whole thing – is I'm like Bruce that I I definitely appreciate how it all links together. It's it's pretty impressive that they did it. You know, it's just a big computer punch card program. You know, it's like the people that make working computers in Minecraft. I mean it's it's amazing that they did it, but I I don't I don't need to actually experience it. And I don't think for it being a story game that the story is really that compelling. You know, there's kind of like too much story and also not enough. Uh, mm -hmm. There just isn't, I, I didn't feel like I was making a ton of, other than, like you said, the star, the, the burning through your deck uh, mechanic, but I feel like you could attach that to a different game that right. didn't require me to fish, fish so many cards out of a box or that somehow told a better story. I also, in, on the optimization end, I feel like, because we died, we were, we did the very first uh, expansion quest, which is supposed to be the easiest. Did, I don't know if you guys did it. Like a, you're finding crystals or something. A crystal song, yeah, the curse of the right. crystal song. Right. So we did that a couple times and failed the first time and had a medium success the second time. And then we moved on to the next one and we played that maybe three times uh, and and you know died various ways. But I feel like the point is to learn and then optimize your path through a given mm -hmm. curse, but I don't have any desire to play that content right. over and over again, especially because it's hours long content. And I don't yeah. think there's enough variety that I saw so far to support me wanting to play through it. And then my last thing is it is a big manual com computer program and mm -hmm. I'm in the role at, of the computer, like mm -hmm. which is a job right. that we've actually given to computers, but <laughs> I have to do it and I'm, constantly worried about how brittle like the system is if i because there's a lot of possibility for me to put the wrong card down yeah. and i sort of worry that if i don't if I, if I don't put the right card down at some point i might not notice and i could just put myself in an unwinnable situation that i'm not going to figure out uh for a long time uh, and i don't know that that's a fact but you know you, you can FUD get the rules wrong in a lot of other games and it just everything just keeps moving forward. Here I feel like you could really mess yourself up pretty badly by and, not doing a card right. And to that point, Wolpa, I, I think that the game doesn't do itself any favors with its rule set and its documentation and some of its design choices. There's a lot of and for your concern, I have that as well. But I think I've gotten to the point where one of the things I admire, and this is getting at what Garrick mentioned before, is how well these guys have tuned this and how I'm pretty sure – I've run into a lot of cases where I'm like, oh, what do I do? It's unclear. And after researching something or reading on Board Game Geek or just reading the cards carefully, I think it's a really meticulously put together, as you put it, computer program that if I learn the rules very clearly – I will not break. Like I think the, the, the information I need to not break this program is there, but I don't think it's presented very well. And I think at times it's really weird and unintuitive. Yeah, uh, and I, I think the rules are there. I'm just talking about just human error. Uh, sure. After an hour and a half of this, I could just glaze over and, and do the wrong thing and, and not you know realize it for a little while. Uh, oh, one last thing. This goes back to Dual Ages and Dungeon Degenerates. I find the art in the game just sterile and boring. I can't I even think of not, any art in the game. Like what's, oh, oh, like the pictures of the characters in the terrain. I don't know. There's just stuff in it. I, 
again, for a game where I'm exploring, you know, a, a mysterious continent, I am, I'm just never <laughs> especially, uh, I don't feel anything about any You never draw a card that you want to admire for a moment. Yeah, it's not like, again, like in Dungeon Degenerates where I'm going to be delightfully surprised by the next mm -hmm. card that comes out. Yeah. Like, it's right. just going to be something else that's blandly professional in, yeah. in, a, in their art style. Yeah, this has no sense of place, which is the thing that really surprises me about a game because because <clears throat> Robinson Crusoe can't have a sense of place because it's freaking random, right? And what you really the things that you want out of an exploration game are a are a place like for, people are gonna be mad, but I, I love Mist because Mist felt like you were in a place that the, that somebody had invented, and it was sort of this, uh, you know. It, it had it had a coherence to it, even though it was wacky. Um, this is just like like Eric said, it's just like a, um, it, it's just stuff, right? I mean, oh, there's a coast. Oh, there's a rocky thing. The you know the games that I that I remember as having sense of place, like uh, uh, Heroes of Might and Magic Two. It was I just loved that so much because it would have you know it had the cool little snowland and the cool little jungle land and the marshland and the whatever and the little cartoon guys. And this just doesn't, it doesn't get me, if, if you're going to explore something, you know, if, if in, a, in a computer game, if I'm going to lift Fog of War off of part of the map, I want to say, oh, cool, look what I revealed. And this doesn't do that. And the other, the other thing I was going to say about this is that to Eric's point. I, I want to address that, though. Should, should oh, we go, go to ahead. the other place? Because I, I do want to get, I, I, I kind of want to disagree with you strongly, okay. but I want to under, I want to say I totally get why you're saying that, Garrick. I don't think that this game reveals itself. I think this game takes far too long to reveal what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that there's a very strong sense of place, but you would never know that by playing that uh, their their first couple of hey play these tutorial tutorial scenarios, okay. uh, and you certainly wouldn't know it unless you play some of the same content over and over and over again, yeah. which is okay. going to feel like a, a bit of a grind, especially okay. given some of the idiosyncrasies of the game, including what Wopa's talking about with going through and refiling all those cards. Because here's what I think the overarching pattern of Seventh Continent is. And I think you can futz around with this dumb thing for, for 20 hours before you really start to understand this. Okay. Um, th there is a sense of place in that those numbered cards that you're putting out, those are always there, no matter what curse you're playing and right. no matter where Agreed. you are. Yes. So when you start a scenario, you start one of the curses, it tells you what card to start on. This game is based on exploring this continent iteratively over yes. multiple playthroughs, almost like a Groundhog Day. Like you have to get reset to an area. But after playing a little while, you start to understand, okay, when I start on the, the jungle area, there's a cave uh, over to the east that once I get the torch, I can go in there and a couple of different things can happen. Uh, or in the south of the jungle area, there's a big door that I've never been able to open because mm. I can't pass the key okay. test. Later on, eventually, I'll get the key test. If you're in that, that beach, um, that voracious god curse, I think, is a horrible first scenario to do because yeah. it has no perceivable end because it's one of the longer curses. You get that clue, and it's telling you uh, it, it it's a map that charts a... a path through the continent that is played over maybe like 30 different terrain cards and you're going to die before you even get past that first rocky beach um but there are yeah, areas you go it to takes you to a different area because it's like there's like a there's like a like a tutorial island exactly so to, and well you have to the, get off of that to go to the, the tutorial thing. island and too and getting off of it is, is really difficult it involves a pretty it's almost like a canned puzzle where you can either find the gear for the submarine and that's mm -hmm. way beyond any, where any of us are, or you have to get the raft card out and you have to craft it and you have to set up a really solid draw uh, yeah, using the, the special cards that you accumulate to give you all guaranteed successes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then the raft will take you to an, another area of the continent that yep. is always there. Um, yeah. so, okay. so there's a sense of place, but it just takes forever. It's not a sense of place that is going to be gratifying in what you're talking about, where in, in one playthrough you're like, oh, this is cool, and that is cool, and I found this. You're not going to get that until you've played this silly game ten times, I, I think. Well, that, that's, a, that's actually kind of kind of uh, encouraging, and I, but I'd, I'd really like to steal a phrase from Eric and say that you know if your game is going to have good parts, you should probably put them at the beginning. Right, sure, so, oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, one of them. I mean, you've got <laughs> just one close to the beginning. Uh, I, yeah, I don't want to. Here's 
But here's something that a problem that I saw. And I, I'm curious if you guys had the same problem. The cards were impossible to shuffle. Uh, oh, so shuffle them left and right and not top down because they're weirdly right. sticky. So, yeah. Yeah. I found that there's something about the grain of the cards yeah. that it that it suddenly works if you do it <laughs> sideways. But it took me a, a little bit to figure that out. So I was I was really annoyed by that at first. But then yeah. Now, do you guys know the cards well enough that if I were to throw a number at you, you would know exactly what card it is? No way. Some of them. Do it. Do it. Because I think what happens, too, that's part of partly what's iterative about the game. And here is why I'm not giving up on the game. Because okay. once I started assembling notes about the layout of the different areas that I know and the different card numbers, I've now got this kind of like survival's journal. It's like Darwin's journal or something of where the cards are, what the numbers are, where I need to go to do certain things so that when I die and try a new scenario, I've got this little journal here. Or when I reach an area from another beginning point, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this area. I've got these notes. Well, what's your objection then? Because it sounds like – from everything you said, it sounds mm -hmm. like you like the game. I haven't heard a thing that you don't like. Oh, my my objection is I think the, the, the card management stuff is tedious. And, well, okay, my objection – my main objection, I think a lot of the game design rules – like this inventory stacking, mm -hmm. counterintuitive nonsense. Mm -hmm. uh, the inventory stuff, which should be super gratifying and cool. You know, I have to build a meat shovel in this game. And that, what, what does that even mean? What do you do? Like, and that's one of the places too where I think people get tripped up on the rules for how to use food and how to use it to put another pip on your shovel before you eat mm -hmm. it. Um, right. All of that. And I also think the stuff I'm about to mention about the cards is an obstacle uh, to understanding what's going on so for instance here let me just give you an example card 102 what is that when it says you get a card it says hey if you do such and such draw a 102 well, that's if an you do point. it's probably an injury or something like that as an experience point no the experience points are three <laughs> oddly enough uh, one is food i don't know what two is three is experience points 50 those are a game-changing scientific journal which I'll, I'll mention in a second but We'll pause, right? Everything in this block between 101 and 109 is a negative state, and oh. 102 is uh, freezing. Uh, and and so what do you what what do you need to know about that? Eventually, you learn that freezing is a negative state, most of which you can get rid of by simply going to a fire. So when I see, and I'll just get here's an example. So I'll have to cough. Hold on a second. All right, I'm back. You guys missed a really gratifying cough. When I get a thunderstorm. It's a weather effect that one of the expansions added. And the thunderstorm says, uh, if you move a certain number of spaces, uh, return a bloodied state. Mm -hmm. And that simply is getting at the fact that bloodied is a state you can get when you fight or whatever, and it can attract right. predators. That represents rain getting washed off of you, wa washing the blood off of you. But here's right. another thing. It says, if you move... Uh, uh, if you oh no if you move more than three spaces that's the thing if you move more than three spaces take a 102 and I look at that and I'm like well, what I don't what, what should I move three spaces should I not should I cheat and look up what the card is mm -hmm. and eventually you figure out what that's telling you is if you go too far in a rainstorm you're gonna get cold mm -hmm. so if you go three spaces to a fire that's fine you're gonna shed the 102 as soon as you get to the fire and just hope mm -hmm. it didn't make you discard cards with one of those red X's um, mm -hmm. but what this game is expressing is a thunderstorm will wash blood off of you so you can escape predators, and it'll make you cold if you don't move in smaller increments. But if you're cold, that's fine if you go to a fire. All of this stuff is expressed by saying, draw a 102. You know, and, and, and I just feel like that's really – that's something that the game expects you to eventually learn. Oh, that's shorthand for I'm going to get cold. You know, a, 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 a 108 is poison. You know, if it says, uh, do you want to go into this cave? If so, draw 108. Do you want to pass it? If so, banish the card. Yeah, I've got that, medicine. My doctor has medicine. Sure, yeah. I don't mind if I get poisoned. I can deal with it. Um, well, that's something it, I couldn't understand in the design, is, but you, you just answered the question. It's uh -huh. like, why would you make me guess what – like, if, if, if I'm just going to get an experience point – why don't you just tell me if you right. pass this, yep. get an experience point instead of drawing a three card? And the answer to that is because they like they want it to be this mystery of this bin of it's like fi this filing mm. bin task. Okay. They want the mystery to gradually reveal iteratively over multiple playthroughs, and the mystery that it reveals is a, it's the it's it's the negative states that affect your character. It's the ecology amongst the plants and animals. It's the the very geography. Um, all of this stuff 
is hidden under these numbers. And if you don't want to mess around with these numbers and cards, which I sometimes don't because I just go play Robinson Crusoe and get the same kind of thing, the survival management puzzle. Um, yeah, it, I just think that some people like shuffling through all these cards and eventually realizing, oh, you know, a 101 card means I'm tired, but I have a camp over here. I'll just go shed it. So I'll get tired climbing this cliff because I've got rope because I know that that's what that symbol is, and I haven't been to the top of this cliff yet. I want to go see what's up there. Um, but, yeah, I agree. It's super just obtuse, and a lot of the rules, again, that awful inventory stuff, really counterintuitive. Um, well, I want to mm-hmm. say that I can I can solve your problem then. Yes. Uh, very easily. I yes, think you how? are going to. I think you're you are soon going to get a T-shirt that says Tom Chick, number one Seventh Continent fan, <laughs> because <laughs> I've solved your problem. Uh, and here's how you're going to do it. You ready? Yes. It's going to blow yes. your mind. Can't wait. Play it cooperatively. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Because I took the hit for the team. And mm-hmm. I was the guy. Well, it was my game, so I, you know, I sat at one end of the table and I had all the stuff, you know, in front of me, all the cards. And when it said, you know, do whatever, take this card, blah blah, blah I would do it. Mm-hmm. And Evan and David were sitting, you know, at the other sides of the table, and, you know, they might read a card or they might say do this. And then while I was, you know, then it would say, you know, put this, put these cards away or you know whatever, banished or things. And then I would start doing that, and they would start talking, saying things like. Huh? So do you want to go over here? Do we should we go there? What is the, what does this card mean? Oh, look at that! That that card is a fungus. I didn't see there was fungus on that card, right? And so they're having this whole. They are sort of like like parallel processing the game while you know they're like the GPU and I'm the CPU and I'm putting all the cards together and they're like looking at the at the at the world and figuring out what the all the stuff is going on and I I felt like that was actually quite enjoyable for that. I'm, We'd have to ask them, but it's not like they, they said – Evan said he would try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, As long as I was doing that, it gave them kind of a natural break to sort of look at what they'd done and look at their um, – sometimes they would take the rule book out because I think that we got some rules wrong. But um, they would say, oh, you know, this, do this. They were, they were really fiddling with the inventory system at one point. They were trying to – they were talking to each other about how the rule actually worked and, and while I was, again, shuffling cards. So – um, so that's what you got to do. You're going to have the greatest time because what you will do is, as a matter of fact, get somebody like McMaster to come, and then you tell him, like you always tell him to do things, tell him to file all the cards, and then you can just sit there and say, hey, McMaster, uh, uh, we need some more uh, 101 cards over here, <laughs> and uh, he'll get out, and you'll be thinking, and you'll be getting out your little notebook. So I think you're – oh, man, you are. This is this is your game of the year in about – Three months. This is your game of the year. Nothing you have said makes me want to play this with other people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, having someone to fish the cards out of the box would be good. But yeah, it does. It really feels like a solo experience to me, especially because if you uh, get into a situation where somebody's going to be the alpha, this is a game where oh. the, the alpha really is going to be the alpha. Here. Especially with the turn structure being so loosey-goosey. Yeah. You know, the alpha's like, yeah. no, let me take this activation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or just um. telling – and a lot of the times, I guess maybe when you get farther into the game, we just had a system that seemed like the natural system, which was when we went on a new tile, we did the cheapest thing first and then kind of moved our way up to the less cheap things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and eventually you kind of know what those things are because you've been to the right. tile before. Sure. So you're like, hey, I don't really need to do that. And a yeah. lot of them too are just zero-zero actions where you can just flip the card to see what's on the other side because – there's some randomness in terms of which one of those cards you might flip over. There um, is some, so it's not going to be exactly the same every time, but I didn't feel like the randomness was introduced so much uh, differentiation from one one play. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's mainly, Eric, those gray cards that surround an area. Those are always going to be random, uh, those right. little fog of right. war things. Those are random, yeah. although even those you will, you know, there aren't that many, unlike the thousand cards in the box, you know, there's like 20 of those or something for For each number. Right. For each region. Right. But that's the thing is, yeah, those also vary by region. And I've only been, there are like five regions that I still haven't seen their exploration cards for yet. And I'm kind of curious what's in there. Uh, I just feel, I, you know, when I say it's a computer program, I, I, that's really not that much of a meta. I mean, it it is a computer program. Like usually when you take something that should be a computer game and turn it into a game, there's a whole bunch of abstraction that happens, but they literally found a way to just make a computer program and then force you to do the drudgery of, of running it. I mean, you get to play it too, but yeah. I, I, 
yeah, I just don't feel like they did the work. They, they did this weird, clever thing, but not the work to actually abstract it into a board game. Uh, Basically, porting this to a video game version is already done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Plug-in values. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I uh, you guys sound like you were going to give it another go. I am not. I think we're, we are done uh, with it. I'm definitely well, still playing it because I also know – I'm just keenly aware that there's a lot that I haven't seen and – I am keenly aware that it's a game that really isn't going to reveal itself unless you have the patience to grind over and over through certain scenarios. Yeah, uh, and that, that's the problem for me, though, because, uh-huh. I mean, if you're going to grind, I mean, it's easy to, to grind a game where you, you know, you're like, okay, I got to kill this boss, and you go through there, and then you hit the resave, and blah, blah, blah. But uh-huh. here, you know, if I'm going to die, then I've got to go back, and I got to file all the freaking stuff, and then I got to get it all. I mean, that's the that's the part that's that I'm never going to be able to do on my own, is... I just don't have – I don't want to sit by myself and take cards and put them in a box. I, I want to have somebody sitting there to at least you know, chat with me about something. You know, We can talk about the freaking Blues winning the, the, the Stanley Cup or something while I'm freeing these stu- – I'm doing this mechanical thing about putting the cards in the boxes. And I just don't think I could tolerate that on my own. Um, and, and what you're telling me is that um, I'm going to be doing that about ten times for each like little part of the continent – no, 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 no. Uh, you're going to be doing that every time you fail a scenario and then reboot. It's like playing an adventure game where you have to start back at the beginning every time you die, but then the content you've already seen, you'll be able to optimize right. going through that right. to get to the content you haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. But, every, but I'm going to be go, going through this like 10 times, go through this thing, and then I'll get a little further, and then whatever, I got to go, you know, whatever. It just well, seems, it, it just seems, that's a huge, it, as Eric said, it's it's all. If you're gonna do that, you'd think that they would put put a better something payoff in, or a, you know the the story's just not good. And it it there's enough that you have to because we were reading the cards to each other. By the way, that's another that's a great uh, that's the Arkham Horror method, right? That you have to. Um, like even uh, the flavor text you guys are reading flavor text. Oh, you got it, baby. Actually, the flavor that's text how... does sometimes have gameplay yeah. in it though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but I mean, it just it it takes it, it. There's such a there's such a an overhead in this game um, that I just didn't and I didn't feel. I don't know. It it doesn't. Once again, it's just the the mechanics of it are not evocative for me. Uh, which is something I think we were trying to do with that. You know, search for the fungus. Um, oh. Did you have you guys gotten one of those little uh, events where you have to look at two cards and then count the number of differences? They look identical. It's like those little uh, child's placemats at oh, a Denny's yeah. or yeah. something. You look at two pictures and count the number of differences between them. Have you guys gotten no. any of those? No. There's that, a. I, that sounds all right though. Like that would actually be kind of fun. You and Jack would love that, Eric. Yeah, yeah. that would totally be. Even, I mean, the game comes with a magnifying glass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, do you guys know it. about so do you know have you gotten many of the so another thing too that i i haven't gotten to avail myself of because i think there's no sign of it in either crystal song or voracious goddess uh the experience point system and how that no, works gotten experience points but i haven't used it for anything yeah. so yeah so that's a whole section but i, I mean we have played that we played seven hours. No, I, I, you exactly, and you that's that's what I'm saying is you would have to play like 20 hours of things before you would get to use the whole experience point system, which is huge. Um, you, you get these points, so Eric, you've gotten one. Uh, I've never gotten more than I think three in a game, and that I was doing super great. And then sometimes in a game, you'll find a place or you'll get an event where you can cash those experience points in for the advanced skill cards, which then get shuffled into that deck that was previously 50 cards. Uh, and all of the advanced skill cards have that little seven, which triggers successes off of certain uh, other right. events. Plus, all of them are, are super great, awesome cards that are then lurking in your action deck. Um, so the, and, and, and they cost things like five or eight or seven. So mm-hmm. imagine how long you have to play to seed your deck with these awesome upgraded skill cards because that's yeah, but- how long you're supposed to sit and play a scenario. Crystal Goddess and – or Crystal Song and Voracious Goddess are no indication really, uh, at least from how much I think we've played, for how drawn out a session is supposed to be in terms of how long you live uh, and, and how long you're you- managing this deck. 
it tells you to play it for two hours at a time. It says that in the rules. It is like a little nag that comes up in a video game that says, you've been playing for two hours, maybe you should take a or, break. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, they, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't want to do any of it. I wish they had, I wish they had found a better wrapper for their card draw system, which, like you said, it is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what about what about the fact that that I don't I got we got like three, I think I had three experience points at the end of our session. Yeah. And there was no, I mean that's pacing, right? I mean if you're yep. gonna get pacing. People... Oh, that, that's just a, Bruce. That's the best problem. That's exactly the problem. This game is pacing. Sorry, I cut you off yeah. though, but that's exactly well, yeah, it. But the... It's it's that if you're gonna if you're gonna give me experience points, I, that's fine if you don't give me like the you know what is the good doom gun, the the shotgun at, until the very end, but uh, it's it's terrible if uh, if you don't give me any gun at the beginning. I mean I need something if I'm getting trading experience points in for something, then. I should at least get to do it for some cheap thing at the beginning to kind of give me this reinforce this idea that experience points good. But what you're telling me is that I'm going to play like for hours and hours and hours before I use any experience points. Yep. And and that just that takes all the fun. I mean, I'm just collecting these dumb things that d there seems to be no way to use them. And then you're telling me like, oh yeah, so so 15 hours from now you get to use that stuff. And it, and by then I'm just like, well, this game doesn't these experience points don't even work. So uh, the, the, this game – here's the way I would put it. This game's pacing is utterly glacial, and if the concept of what it's doing, this iterative discovery over the card ecology and all of that stuff and, and the, the negative states, if that concept isn't working for you, this game would be insufferable. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can completely understand. Yeah, the pacing in this is glacial. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, you know, I, in in the uh, in the spirit of uh, you know the current zeitgeist, which is that uh, nothing is worse than anybody anything else because that's uh, that's mean and racist. Um, there are people that like things that are glacially paced. So for them, congratulations, this is awesome. Yeah, I do feel like I, I think I'm just saying this to be diplomatic, though, that there are people for which this game, for whom this game will work. Because I, I think I've seen like really glowing reviews. I was part of the reason I got it uh, against my, you know, better judgment. And, <laughs> that impulse control, Wopa. <laughs> yeah, and I just don't get it. But again, like, yeah, I because of that poor impulse control, I've got shelves of games that have awesome cards <laughs> in them that I can access much quicker than uh, Seventh Continent. So yeah, Seventh Continent. Fire sale on Seventh Continent. I mean, <laughs> well, here's how I would put it to, to you, Garrick, because you and I have talked about this sort of thing before. Uh, generally, I would rather play a shorter game that offers a kind of experience than a longer game. Uh -huh. uh, and and you've sort of taken issue with that. There's some longer games and that probably involve the Eastern Front in World War II uh -huh. or whatever. Oh, there sure are. Yeah, and you're happy to sit down and play those games that take like 10 hours. Because that's the kind of experience that you enjoy, and you don't mind it being drawn out over 10 hours, and you right. find those 10 hours gratifying, and it's stuff that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, this is that for people who want to piece together a, a, a choose-your-own-adventure puzzle book where you're expected to recognize what pages are referencing what connections and from this create a sense for what this island is and what mm -hmm. things are at what places on this island uh, and managing this this action deck the whole time um Fair enough. so I, this I is understand yeah. that yeah. that's great i mean i i can i can give you i mean how many hours is this game 100 if you look at i think actually no no lie i think the board game geek thing uh that's entry for time played is something like one to six thousand hours if i'm not okay. mistaken <laughs> well so, i i i'm uh i'm i can i can find you a number of uh, historical war games that will rival that, and I probably would prefer to play any of those. Absolutely, yep, that that makes perfect sense. So you and Wopa, and and I share your objections with it, but it hasn't killed my curiosity about it yet. Okay. So so that's kind of where I am with Seventh Continent. And uh, and you're not sitting on some game on your shelf when you decide to sit down and play, where you're like, you know, I would just rather do this. Eric, there is not a single game where that's not a dilemma for me, where I pull it out and don't immediately have second thoughts about, oh, maybe I should be playing X instead. But then I'll pull out X, and once it's set up, maybe I should be playing Y instead. So uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of momentum, Eric, and that once something's set up, I'm like, well, I guess I'll go ahead and push forward with this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I, yeah, I feel, I guess I feel good that somebody... 
got their money's worth out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> this wasn't cheap either. I mean, well, yeah, there's also that. There's this sunken cost fallacy. I paid all that money. I'm going to damn well play it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, at this point, I'm happy to pay that money to not have to play it. <laughs> or fortunately, you, you don't have to do that, Wilpaw. You cannot play this for free. Well, you can also put it on Board Game Geek and sell. I'm sure you could get money for it. Actually, I bet oh, you. I bet. That's, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a lot of hassle. But I, my, I think I mentioned my new rule. But I played this with Jack, so I, uh, like, I gave away Massive Darkness the other day because you made the I right call on that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like it. If I if I play a game with you that I own and I I strongly dislike this game, you get to leave with the game. Ah, so for the Uh, listeners, if you're out there, get Wolpaw to invite you to play Seventh Continent with him. No, well, the problem is you needed to do it last week because I'm not going to play it. (laughs) That window of opportunity closed. Okay, fair enough. It's no longer, and I I I have limited shelf space, and it's two fairly not giant boxes, but oh yeah, because I didn't mention that I've got the expansion too. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. (laughs) Did you guys go through the the task of folding them all in? It's, yeah. it's colossal. It's a lot of work. Boy, you, you, yeah, if you think that filing is tedious, that's the problem, is before you play with all those expansions, that's right there. That's like an hour of filing you got to do. Yeah. yeah, I didn't oh. do that. I, I, I just played the vanilla, like whatever, curse, the vor- voracious curse or whatever. Oh, you didn't even do Crystal Song. All right, Garrick. Nope. Uh, remember the John Cusack character and being John Malkovich? That was his skill, was filing things really quickly. Oh, he'd mm. love this. Yeah. 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 Send yeah. it to him. Game. Yeah, should send it to John. All right, uh, so uh, Seventh Continent, we're 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 torn on it. Uh, yeah, but but you guys are right. It's to- like people are head over heels. People love this silly thing, and I'm I'm a little surprised at that because I guess some people don't mind tedium that much. So fair enough. Yeah. Or they're I, yeah, they must be playing. I mean, because there was a brief moment in the beginning, the way the clockwork nature of it, where I was like, how is this working? Like this is witchcraft. This is craziness. Right. This exactly. is uh, But then you quickly realize kind of how it's all, you know, the, the mask is off. Uh, but for there's a few minutes there in the beginning where I'm like, this is impossible that this mm-hmm. works at all. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Tedium is the new excitement. There you go. So uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We will be back in two weeks. Uh, Mike and Hassan are on assignment, so they'll probably be joining us in two weeks. Uh, Eric, thank you for hanging out. I'd love to have you come back uh, as you play more games. All right. Uh, I would love to come back. This was great. I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, And Bruce, you also, of course, come back and tell us about Guderian's Blitzkrieg 2 at some point. I can't wait to hear about it. Sounds great. I'm Tom Chick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. (laughs) 